Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of I Cast Fireball, a D&D actual play 5e adventure of the campaign Tyranny of Dragons. My name is Thomas, and I am your DM for this adventure. For our characters, we have... Malmara, Lance Thalen, and Fleeple. We'll jump right on into this. As the last we left off, there was pretty action-packed, at least for some of our members here. But last we left off, our three adventurers found themselves in a tavern, the Winged Dragon, with the owner Bevan, after having successfully run a group of kobolds and some draconic beasts away from the building. After some brief explanation of who those creatures were, with the sighting of a blue dragon flying overhead, it was decided that they all make their way to the keep in the center of the town. On their way, they saw a group of kobolds begin to overrun a family, prompting Mal and Fleeple to join the fray instantly. Lance and Bevan took the sneakier route and hid in the shadows, assisting from a distance. After a close call with the mother, some deception from Fleeple, and a presentation of Mal's power, the group and the family rushed to the keep and were safely locked in the keep just as it was about to be surrounded. With a variety of kobolds and some cloaked figures that Fleeple astutely took note of, they surrounded the building, and instantly the mayor sought out our three heroes on the walls of the keep. While in the middle of thanking them and requesting a mission of sorts to be carried out, an adult blue dragon attacked the walls with its intense lightning breath. Understandably, both Mal and Lance started running away, towing Fleeple behind. But Fleeple, being driven by something inside him, joined the 20 or so archers on the wall to fend off this dragon. With the mayor pleading for aid, Mal joined the battle and delivered the last two attacks that seemed to drive off the beast with Fleeple's assistance. And that is where we left off. Mal and Fleeple, the mayor comes to your aid after about 10 minutes of uneasy silence, and in a voice barely above a whisper says, Thank you. I don't know what you did, but you drove away that dragon. What did you do? I don't know. I just spoke to it, and away it went. Well, whatever you did, the town thanks you, and the remaining guards up here, and you can see there's one chunk of the keep whose stone is partially destroyed from the lightning breath, and there's about four or five dead bodies over there, including the one archer who was doing the most damage. With that, the mayor looks around, he turns to the the dwarf you saw earlier, the redbeard dwarf, and he says, Escobar, I want you to open up my chest and bring all four of them here. The dwarf, taking it back, says, Tarbar, my men could really use some of those in case. There's no time, Escobar, at once. And with that, the dwarf immediately runs off into the keep. You've proven yourself useful twice already. Dare I say, you three might be the key that tips the events of this evening in our favor. And with that, he just pauses and looks around and goes, Where is the other member of your party? Lance, where are you? Uh, Lance is currently, he ran into the keep, and he is currently just staying put. (laughs) (laughs) So Lance, you're in the main hall area where everybody else, women, children, merchants, and with the dragon attack and the explosions of the lightning breath up on the wall, the women and children are just in chaos and just inconsolable. Some children are just crying and sobbing uncontrollably. And it has been 10 minutes since the initial blast. Yeah. So like the dragon's been been gone for 10 minutes? Yes. So it has been 10 minutes has passed so, so i i um, yes i would have been like coming outside in the courtyard just like looking around so you probably do see me in the courtyard 
Yeah, so right right about the time the mayor asks, where is the third member of your party? Lance is just not meandering, but cautiously looking around in the somewhat crowded courtyard now with the guards that are either wounded, injured, or that are aware of the doors and trying to prevent people from breaking in. I turn to the mayor and I say, uh... He's a strange one, that fellow. I can see great promise within him, but uh, he... I don't know. He seems scared. <laughs> yeah, because there's a dragon. <laughs> and I'm, I have, I'm level one. <laughs> oh, you should be level two. Level two, I meant level two. Yeah. 19 hit points. And he goes, ah, yes, well... Well, if the three of you will follow me, I have, I, I have something for you. Can I hear this down in the courtyard? What's your passive perception? 13. 13? Yeah, I mean, he's not... The, the keep isn't like a massive castle, and all there, there, there is some buzz. You keep track, and you see that your other companions are surprisingly alive. They don't seem to be destroyed, and their body parts are all there, so... And it, it draws your attention, and you could see the mayor kind of gesture towards you and to all follow him inside. But to Fleeple and to Mal, the mayor says, I, I have something in particular I wish to give each of you, so please follow me. And he just starts walking down the steps into the keep, back where you had just come from, Lance. Mal will reach down and grab the back of Fleeple's sheep fleece and just make sure that Fleeple comes all the way down the stairs and into the keep with us. Okay. So everybody goes into the keep and follows after the mayor. And as people are trying to be hushed by some of the medics, by some of the women, some of the warriors, some of the soldiers, the mayor walks to a set of stairs, which goes up and which goes down. So there's one side that goes completely up, one side that goes completely down into maybe a dungeon or a cellar or things like that. And just as he walks over there, Escobar, the dwarf in the full plate armor, he walks down with a, a little bit bigger than like a jewelry box, but a really nice wooden kind of container and he's carrying it in both of his hands and as he walks down he reluctantly gives it to the mayor the mayor as he opens it up and shows all of you there are four vials of liquid the the contents are red and they unnaturally swirling inside and even though it's not moving the liquid is just kind of has this unnatural gyration inside each of these bottles here as thanks for defending our keep and for helping us turn the tide into our favor i wish to give these four healing potions to to the three of you. I know it seems a little arbitrary now, but I was hoping that the three of you would still be willing to go forward and ensure that our mill is still standing and hasn't been burned to the ground, and uh, if there are those that are attacking, that you would deal with the threat and take care of them. Mal will immediately reach forward and down an entire <laughs> healing potion. All right, go ahead and roll me 2d4 plus 2. What kind of healing potions are these? Just a regular healing potion. Nine. Oh, great. Ta-da. So total of nine hit points. So Mal, as this gift is being offered, you just grab one and just chug it. And as you do, uh, you feel this warmth surge within you and go to the extremities of your body. And some of the wounds that were ailing you and the limp that you had have seemingly been erased or seemingly been gone. You feel rejuvenated. <sighs> Much better. I'll just lean over to her and go, still feeling that alcohol, are we? That was healed. Thank you very much. And you would have known that if you wouldn't run to the keep and left us out there to die. I'm sorry. You look pretty beat up because you faced a dragon. I'm doing okay. <laughs> and I look up to him completely unmarred and I say, oh, that's interesting. I faced the dragon as well. I'm feeling pretty dandy. Well, there's a couple of dead soldiers on the roof that don't feel like you do. <laughs> yes, there's also a couple down in the courtyard as well. They fell from the walls. It was very unfortunate. 
as this is going on, the dwarf, he turns to the mayor and he goes, Are you sure you want to trust them with the safety of our mill? That's a good question. And the mayor turns to Escobar and he goes, I don't see we have much choice, Escobar. We are stretched thin as it is, and if we survive the night, we need to make sure we survive the next coming months as well. That is, and he turns to the three of you, if you three are still agreeable to assist us in fending off and defending the mill. I mean, no offense, but I feel that there's a dragon out there. (laughs) I don't think everyone's taking this as serious as it ought to be. There's a dragon out there, and I don't think anything we do will stop that if it is destined to try and take out your mill. And I say, well, how do we know that it's destined to take out our mill? Because it seems to be following us for some reason. Uh, the dwarf speaks up and he goes, The dragon itself wasn't concerned with the mill. It's just a few rampant kobolds that we saw and a few uh, hooded figures heading over there. So I don't believe the dragon is concerned with some of the outlying buildings necessarily. I think, well, after what you did, he doesn't seem to be concerned with the town at all for some reason. Certainly wasn't a mortal blow to the dragon, and maybe it was just merely annoyed and decided that it was not worth its time. I don't mean to be indelicate, but um, would there be any kind of compensation for such a task? That is such a rude question to ask. I can't believe you are asking that at such a serious... I mean, I guess you can answer her if you really must. If she is insistent on this answer, I guess it'd, it'd be good for all of us to hear. <laughs> the mayor kind of looks down to the vials of healing potions that he has offered you and goes... Well, I I suppose uh, in addition to these now three healing potions that we can offer to you, if you can defend the mill long enough for my men to get there, I suppose I could throw in that ten gold per individual to ensure the safety of it and that it's not burned down. Ensuring that mill is operational and is still there after this attack is of utmost importance. Ten gold each person? Yeah, I'm sorry, that's the best that I can do. No, it's okay. I just, I, I won 65 earlier in a drinking game, so, you know. Eh, I've done more for less. I'm feeling pretty good. Mal will just glare at him. And the mayor looks down to you, Filippo, and goes, Can I ensure the three of you will see this mission through? Uh, I start a little bit. I've just been kind of staring at Lance this entire time. And I say, oh, certainly myself and Malamara will be behind you 100%. If you could... And I turn away from him, and I walk up to Lance Thalen, and I look at him, like, I'm looking up at him, but the kind of vibe that I'm going for is like a grandfather speaking to a child. Looking up, but looking down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I do this strange uh, upward-downward stare at Lance Thalen, and I say, I'm sure that you are very sad to have lost your friend, Kowab. He seemed as if he was a good man. If you're in need of a pack, we will have you in ours. I appreciate that. I just like to know the odds of what I'm facing before I step into something. With us three, the odds are better. So for me, it's better to stick with you all for now. And I reach up both of my claws and I pat the sides of his face as a grandfather would pat a child. And I say, it is delightful to have you with us. Again, I, I understand your mourning now. Your friend seemed that he was a good influence in your life. And I know that you're sad <laughs> to be rid of him. But I, I know that you can find happiness again with us. That's just what I'm getting at. 
So, Fleeple, did you start, like, climbing up his body to pat both of his cheeks? I'm just uh, <laughs> wondering how a three-foot kobold could reach all the way up to, like, a six-foot... Uh, I bent down a little bit to talk to Oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't know if your arms just grew unnaturally long. <laughs> Thomas is the one who suggested it, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> just slowly inching my way up his leg as I'm intriguing. <laughs> like, eh. Just climbing up. Lance is five foot two. He's a very small elf, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a very small, very delicate looking high elf, so. All right. Well, then it it makes sense. And I turn back to the mayor and I say, good mayor, it seems you've got all three of us to rely on. Very good. Uh, Well, if you'll excuse me, Escobar here will uh, lead you to some safe passage and perhaps a way that you can get get the upper hand on these individuals at the mill, but I thank you and pray that I see you through the night. Thank you. And with that, he excuses himself and uh, walks away. And Escobar, he looks at the three of you with his arms folded. Um, I assume that you have taken the potions of healing? I took one of them. Still take one. And I'll take the remaining one. Okay. The box was not offered to you, so the box went with the mayor, just for clarification there. But Escobar looks at the three of you with his arms folded and his foot just kind of tapping, but just kind of slowly shaking his head going, I have seen some stranger adventuring lots. Well, if you follow me... And he starts walking down the stairs into the basement, it appears. Assuming that the three of you follow him, it's not a short walk down into the cellar here. And the cellar has a lot of barrels, has a lot of provisions, if you will. Has some crates, some hanging meat, um, some salt, a lot of barrels of ale. But... Escobar, he goes to a particular corner that's just completely filled with boxes and says, All right, if I could get all of your help over here, that'd be great. And the faster it will go. So, And he just starts removing some barrels and uh, moving some crates. I will help with my plus one to strength as much as I can. I'll help as well. I'll help with my minus two to strength as much as I can. So Mal, matching the dwarf in strength and in just, you've been moving provisions for weeks now, being on the caravan, and so this is just menial labor and are able to do it fairly quickly. Lance, you're picking up from what Mal is doing, and Fleeple, as hard as you try, uh, you're trying to pick up some of the smaller crates, and you go, and you're just able to awkwardly slide them to where they're just... across the ground to the other side of the room. Pretty soon, as the crates and the barrels are removed, you see a passageway going further east, a little southeast away from the keep, and it goes underneath. Escobar, he kind of grabs a key ring, which has dozens of keys on it. He takes one of them off in particular, and he goes, ah, yes, well, here you go. And this key that he hands to Mal, who's right next to him, is particularly old doesn't look like it's seen a lot of use and therefore it's got some rust on it and it's a fairly plain key after he gives it to you he goes at the end of this corridor you'll find a a grate with a lock on it and this key ought to open it but i've been here for quite some time and i've never had to open it before so (laughs) good luck and with that, he just walks away and uh, walks up the stairs secret tunnel well shall we before we go I would just like to offer a word of caution. If we could please be as slow as possible and be as cautious as possible and don't jump into any situation that we don't know what we're facing. As I look at Fleeple, imagining a dragon coming down on his head. (laughs) We just want to be prepared and not rush into things. Your bravery is an inspiration. And Mal will walk down the hall. 
Well, your stomach is not, and I'll keep going. <laughs> and as Mal heads off in the front, I just turn to Lance and give him two thumbs up and just keep walking exactly side by side with him. I'll just, I'll just whisper to myself, I'm with the lizard man. <laughs> <laughs> so the marching order, as it was given, is Mal and then both Lance and Fleeple in the exact same spot, just side by side. Okay. And Fleeple being a small creature, that's conceivable at the very least. But Mal, as you are heading forward, this corridor is not very big, not very wide. It seems to only be to have been made for humanoids or for creatures. Definitely not big enough for a lot of provisions to come in and out here. So this doesn't appear to be a service tunnel necessarily. It just speaks to the what possible uses it could have. Lance, as you are making your way down this corridor, Fleeple being right there side by side with you makes the space a little bit, a little uncomfortable because if it were just you, the space would have been uncomfortable to begin with. But now you have this kobold who is just persistent to be side by side with you. Therefore, you have less space. I keep doing like the, the stutter stop to like try and let him go ahead, but then he stutter stop. <laughs> and to entertain myself, I cast Produce Flame, and I'm just like tossing the ball of fire between my hands like a baseball or something. This is great. This is just great. Exactly how I thought my evening would go. <laughs> Fleepo, go and roll me a dexterity check. If you catch me on fire. Well, I mean, that's going to be a 10. A 10? A 10? So as you're tossing the fire back and forth, back and forth, and just kind of like playing with this mini fireball that you have in your hand like this, that's literally what it is. Lance, as it keeps going over to his left hand, you're just kind of like, ah, 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 and uh, kind of like moving your cloak a little closer and trying to hug it to you. There's literally like 10 sayings about not playing with fire. Okay. But Fleepo, as you're playing with it, uh, on one t- uh, at one point, it slips out of your hands. Doesn't hit Lance, though. It goes to the wall, and the wall, you hear just shrieks. And Mal, you didn't hear this when you passed in front of them, but you hear shrieks and just this burning flesh and burning hair. And as you quickly produce flame again, you look over, you see just a swarm of rats that your fireball had just ignited and completely destroyed. Oh, oh dear, that's unpleasant. So much for being cautious and slow. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, I mean, we're not going to get eaten by a swarm of rats now, so maybe that was a good thing. Mal will just shake her head and keep walking to the door. (laughs) And uh, Mal, it doesn't take you long to get to the grate that Escobar uh, had described to you before. As you get close, you can see the moon is shining into the the forest beyond. It's it's not a huge forest. It's just kind of like a swath of trees. But you do hear the running water um, nearby, which is... A creek, and as you get closer and closer, you kind of like crouch down and kind of get closer to the grate, and it looks very old, and it looks like this has not been used recently whatsoever. But it does have the lock, as Escobar had described previous. And Lance and Fleeple, you make your way up behind Mal, and you're all clumped around this grate or this entrance into the outside world, seemingly under the cover of night and the cover of the stream here or this creek. So, what do you do? Well, here goes nothing, and she'll force the key into a key grate. Mal, I'm going to need you to make a dexterity check. Non-natural 20. So as you shove the key in here, there is some resistance. There's like some gunk in it, like a little bit of mud, a little bit. So you kind of like grab the lock and go... Like you do with the... Nintendos. Yeah, the Nintendo cartridges, yeah. yeah. 
It'll make it better. It's gonna work. <laughs> but as you do, you just put it in, and you, you have to like make sure that it gets all the way in there. And as you feel it finally give, you turn it, and as you do, the lock successfully. Because it was so old, there was a chance that it could have broken. So good thing you rolled so high. That's that natural eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> so as you take the lock off, are you opening the the gate into or the grate into the stream here? Yes. Right, so as you push it, slowly push, it just just a s- slight sound. Because you were successful in unlocking, you do hear... What's your passive perception? 12. 12. Lance is 13, and Fleeple, what's yours? 15. 15. So, particularly Fleeple and Lance, you hear footsteps actually above you, like on the grass, and then the heavy footsteps are followed by skittering footsteps. Uh, Fleeple, you recognize those to be cobalt footsteps above where you currently are at. And so, Mal, you open this door. She'll start walking out. <laughs> what? Caution. Knowing your enemy before you go in. If you would allow me, I will scoot by her. And I will sneaky, sneaky, sneak to try and check out how many there are who's stepping. Okay. Do you have dark vision? I do. I think yes. all of us do. Yeah, that's right. Everybody, every single... Man, lucky you. So Mal, as you just irritated, sigh and move out of the way, Lance, you wrap the cloak around you and you get close. Go and roll me a stealth check, please. With advantage, because I got some boo. You lucky son of a gun. That is 16. 16, okay. So as you just barely step out, you're not stepping into the water, you're not stepping on grass or twigs, but you're looking around and you just barely step out and just peek around, peek around to both corners all around you and just listen, just very intently listen. With your passive perception and your successful stealth check, you wait there for a good five minutes. And throughout the five minutes, you see a variety of people come into your eyesight, whether directly in front of you, in your peripheral, um, they're all around you. Across the bank, you see three kobolds just go skittering from north to south, and they, they leave your eyesight. In your peripheral to your left, you see a hooded figure who seems to be slowly walking away from you, almost like they're patrolling the creek. And which way is the mill? The mill is southwest of where you are currently at. So is that guy headed that way right now or not? No, he's heading away from the mill. He's actually heading towards, and it, like I said, it's so lackadaisical, it's almost like a patrol. It looks like he's almost heading towards this weird, almost gothic structure with a wall around it to the northeast of where you currently are at or on the eastern portion of the town. Also, looking out of your right eye in the peripheral, you see another hooded figure slowly do the same action, basically, just walking the other direction, almost like they are patrolling, but they don't seem to have hurt anybody. It doesn't seem to be urgent. In fact, just from their demeanor, it seems like they're rather bored. Pardon your elfishness, but we're kind of on a time crunch here. So, from what I can see, there are little kobolds skittering around. I saw three of them, at least. And two humanoid-looking figures, a little bigger, who are on patrol. Can we see the mill from where we are? You cannot see the mill, but Lance, you do see some smoke from the southwest. You know that the mill is southwest of where you are currently at, or even just directly west from where you're currently at. You do see, as you are kind of poking your head around, ensuring that you aren't revealing yourself to these individuals, that the stream, it does seem to curve around a bit, but it is further down from the bank where they currently are at, and it could provide a good cover for each of you if you decide to traverse the creek stealthily. 
Does the river flow from east to west or west to east? It does flow east to west. And so the river, if you did decide to take the river or the stream towards the mill, you would be going with the current. These two figures, are they patrolling the creek? One going west and one going east? Or are they like just patrolling this the field that's above the creek in between the creek and the castle or the keep? Yeah, so these two individuals, they it doesn't seem like they have necessarily a direct attack pattern. They're just kind of on the lookout for the most part. There are the three kobolds that you saw running. And then there's the two humanoid figures that seem to be just kind of lackadaisically walking back and forth from your current position they are heading away from where you currently are at one is heading a little northeast the other one is a little uh, is actually just kind of directly west they're just seem to be kind of on the lookout seeing if anything is occurring not really in search of anything they're not obstructing our path south to the creek no the creek is directly below where you currently are at you could probably jump out of this crate and almost be in the creek itself i mean there's a little sloping like bank towards it they're, they're above you. They're the footsteps that you heard above you since this tunnel is, goes underneath. Well, I will relay to the group. So the two are kind of just patrolling. We could either sneak along the creek and even into the wooded area, be a little bit more stealthy, or we could take it. If you don't feel like you're very stealthy, and I look over at Mal, we could, um, we could take them out silently. Those are the options I see before us. How are you two at swimming? Quite good. I mean, not not adverse to it. Beautiful. And I start edging my way towards the creek. We should talk about the plan. Okay. Okay, so Philippe, you kind of push past both Mal and Lance to go down to the creek then, yes? Yep, I'm crawling, uh, trying to go as stealthy as possible. Okay. Mal, Lance, are you following suit? Absolutely. Will I want to make sure, I want to check the depth of the creek before I go in. <laughs> Great. So as you all are making your way down... Lance, you kind of wade into the creek, and for you, being 5'2", it probably comes up to maybe your chest. Your your feet can still f- touch the ground, at least at this portion here. And Mal, you're completely fine. Fleepel, you are swimming. <laughs> so, at least paddling. It might be better to just run along the, the bank of the creek. That would be my preference, because then we're not splashing around or hitting any rocks. And Fleeple, if you're not actively swimming against the current and you're already in the water, the current is going to start taking you away with it, kind of like a lazy river. <laughs> I'll reach down and pull this fleece again. Okay, so Mal's got you by the fleece, Fleeple. You're not floating away, but the current is trying to pull you away. Fleeple, if you could tell us what you want here. Are you wanting to just float? And I'm like, I mean, floating sounds like a nice chill sort of way to go about it, but if you want to go on the bank, I'm easy. Thomas, are there rocks or anything? Like, is this a fast-moving thing, or is this a, literally like a lazy river? No, it's it pretty much is like a lazy river. At least at this portion, it's not, like, dangerous rapids, so to speak. So, I mean, you probably would be fine to flow. I will reluctantly just look at Fleeple and then just, like, do the whole, like, like the reluctant dad at the water park just floating along the lazy river. Like, why am I here? So I will, <laughs> I will float along the lazy river. Then. Okay. I'll follow. All right. All of you go and we roll stealth checks, all with advantage, please. Booyah. 21. 14. Uh, 15. Okay, 14, 15, 21. After a good five minutes, you all three of you actually can see kobolds running along the the upper banks here, and they seem to be talking amongst themselves. And to you, Fleeple, it's all in a Boston accent, as mm-hmm. we determined last time. So 
<laughs> yes, we have established that as canon. And you do see the cultists that Lance had pointed out. They are just sort of meandering, and they seem to be coming back. So the one that was going northeast is actually now coming back to where you currently were at, where the grate is. Yeah, so as you're floating down, you do see that there just seem to be a variety of patrols. As the river is taking you just slowly, it it is slow going, but it is definitely the safest way. And after a good five minutes, instead of just directly running in the path of all of these individuals, you do feel safely secured to where each of you make it past where the tavern, past the battle with the kobolds that you had earlier. You make it over here to the mill. So the mill does have a wheel on it, like mills do, to help churn and grind. But as you approach the mill, what do each of you do? Do you get out on the bank? Do you try to ride it all the way through? Do you leave the town? <laughs> we just float out of town. <laughs> Goodbye, greenness. Yeah, I paddle my way over towards the southern bank, uh, the side that the mill is on. Okay, so I assume all of you go to the southern bank here. Is the mill currently on fire? So with your stealth rolls and with making a way out of the creek, you do notice that there is some smoke and there does seem to be some fires around this mill. To the extent of it, you're unsure. You you just got arrived on the scene, but you do see three kobolds and one of those creatures that you saw in the tavern earlier. Fleeple, you would know this to be a drake or an ambush drake more specifically. And the three kobolds do have torches and they are running around like jamming them into like hay that's around, trying to light some grass that's on fire. They do find a barrel, but it's a barrel of water so they can't get it to light. Things like that. How far away are they from us? Uh, they're fairly close. They Because you were rolled so good, they uh, they weren't able to see or notice you. You're definitely within 120 feet of uh, these four creatures here. Is there one of them that's a little bit separate from the rest? Uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check. I'm not very good at that. Ooh, but that was an okay roll. That's a, ooh, I'd say 19. So as you see the pattern of these kobolds running around, the drake itself is actually seemingly separate from the kobolds. It seems to be just kind of sitting away, not being able to grab the fire. And the drake is closer to you than the rest of the kobolds and facing the mill. So you are essentially sneaking up behind it. I will just lean over to the two and just say, we might have an element of surprise on the big one. If we can take him out quickly, then the others should be, we're able to clean up in short order. You know, Lance, that is the first thing that you've said that I've agreed with. Let's do it. And I'm trying to do, like, tactical sign language to indicate that I'm in agreement with this plan. We're in a box? What? We're in a box? What? (laughs) (laughs) You were in a box? It goes on for, like, three minutes. (laughs) Three words. You're happy. You have. You're sad now. You're terrified. And when they say, kill the Drake, I go, yes, yes. Do we all have distance abilities? I do. I could also sneak up on him, too. I have a distance ability. Fleeple? Uh, I can hit people up to a fair amount away. Should we just, all three of us, just out of the bush here? Uh, yeah, I have my short bow. So on the count of three. Sneak attacking him from a distance, the Drake. Okay, since that is what you're doing, I need everybody to roll me initiative. And so it begins. All right, 20 to 25. 21. 15 to 20. 17. And Mal. 12. All right, Fleeple, you are first. So go ahead and roll your surprise attack at this individual. You do get advantage on it. All right, I'm going to do what Fleeple does best. I'm going to toss out a produce flame, try and emulate this sucker if I can. That is going to be a 22 to hit. You know, it just hits. (laughs) 
Beautiful. Barely. And do we get advantage on these attacks because we're sneaking? It's like a surprise. Just the first one. J yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So just Fleeple. Oh, you suck, Fleeple. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That is going to deal eight fire damage. Okay. Oh, man. I don't get sneak attack then. You do not. Eight fire damage. All right. So, Fleeple, as you produce flame, you curl it towards this drake, and as it impacts the back, he just kind of arches and just... and turns around and glares at all of you, unable to do anything on its turn, but aware of your presence. Can't you hide on your turn, bonus action, hide, and then hold an action and still get I sneak don't, attack? I don't think I can... I think if I hide at the end of my turn, then on my next turn, I can have advantage on an attack. But I don't think it works where I can bonus action hide and then attack. I don't know. Thomas, you can clarify that. if That was how I understood. You could bonus action first and then But attack, then, but then, then I'm not yourself. hidden for the next round. Correct. You're not hidden for the next round, but you can still get that sneak attack. I will bonus action hide then. Uh, on your turn. Oh, sorry. I thought it was. It actually is your turn. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the other kobolds. Wait, sorry. I was looking at my initiative order, uh, and the kobolds. DM. But it's a surprise right round. There. On your turn. Uh, on your turn. It's your turn. <laughs> okay. So bonus action hide. Okay. So you bonus action. Oh, sorry, Fleetbull. Is there anything else you wanted to do? Produce flame. I think that'll do it for me on this turn. Okay, Lance. Bonus action hide. Oh heck yeah! That's like twenty-four. Okay, you feel sufficiently... Well, where do you hide? I will hide just... I will stay in the creek bed and then just pop out <laughs> like a freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> shoot my bow. <laughs> so just under the ridge, you hide, kind of like put pressed to the ground. You feel sufficiently hidden. All right, and I then will attack. With advantage, sir. Oh, yeah. That's a... With my short bow, that's a 22 to hit. 22 again, all right. Go for it. With sneak attack. All right, that's a D6. Seven plus three is 10. 10 total. Okay, as you aim this bow at the drake, just uh, screaming like this mythical creature, Schwarzenegger, described in myth. <laughs> the Schwarzenegger. The arrow, it launches towards the drake. <laughs> and as it impacts the side of the drake, it jams itself into the creature like the arrow doesn't just like go, just kind of like it just half of the arrow goes directly into the belly of the beast and just kind of and it's pretty hurt for sure anything else you you have a movement lance okay so i'm like kind of in the riverbed i will actually move behind fleeple i'm moving east kind of a, a little bit away from the mill just to kind of give a little bit more distance so that if a cobalt decides to attack they might attack the two others before me <laughs> Great, great. Okay. Mal, it's your go. So self-sacrificing. Hey, I came up with a plan. I'll rub my hands together and throw out a Eldritch Blast at him. All right, go ahead and roll. Just the one, right? Yeah, at this level, I only have one beam. No, 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 19. 19 hits. Go and roll damage on that, miss. Seven damage. Seven damage. Mal, how do you want to do this? I will zone in on that arrow right in its stomach and just use that force damage to drive it all the way through and out the back of the drake. Great. And how do you, what do your Eldritch Blasts look like? I believe last time we established that it's a arc of light blue, almost white energy. Okay, so light blue, white energy-ish that just kind of gets hurled in a ball towards your desired creature. So how I imagine as you prepare this attack, you see this... Uh, 
Fleeple, with your passive perception, just out of the corner of your eye, you see this darkness just kind of appear and kind of gather around Mal's hand. And as it dissipates, this energy with this light blue and white just right towards the drake after she mutters this incantation. And Lance, that arrow that you had shot right into the stomach, Mal aims directly for that arrow, and as she does, she just hits it square on and pushes it even further into the drake to where it disappears into the drake's body, and the drake just instantly goes and just falls to the ground dead. Nice. Yeah, we took out the big guy. All right, Lance, that was a good idea. Thank you. As this is all happening, the kobolds, they hear, they heard the drake, they heard the yells, they heard the Schwarzenegger. They look around uh, with their, their fire and they get their slings, they get their they get their spears and their swords out and look towards all of you. And one of them goes, <laughs> and uh, Fleeple, Tuba goes, hey, hey, look over there, look over there. And we're now back to the top of the round. Fleeple, it's you. Sorry, could I take the movement on my... T- oh, yes. I apologize. You're fine. Seeing the Drake is now dead and hearing that of the kobolds, Mal will run straight at this, the kobold to the north. Kobold one for all intents and purposes. Gus. Great, Gus. He's up north right by the riverbed and just get right into his face. And that's it. Great. Do you get temporary hit points from that last one? I already had him. So, yes. Wonderful. So, you are directly face-to-face with this kobold. Fleeple, it's your go. You're about 60 feet away from the kobold that Mal is currently engaged with. 60 feet from kobold 2, which is south of the entrance, just ever so slightly off the path there. And then the third kobold is directly on the, the southern side of the mill. He was the one that was trying to set the water barrel on fire. All right. I'll go rushing up towards the guy who's trying to light the water barrel on fire and go, Hey, man, you're doing this all wrong. Let me show you how to do this. I cast Produce Flame, and uh, I toss it directly at the kobold. Okay. That's a critical fail. Critical fail. Oh, no. Yeah. So you do catch the water barrel on fire. So yeah, as you uh, as you run over, uh, whisper that to the kobold, you chuck it at him, and as you chuck it at him, he just kind of sidesteps it, and it smashes against the barrel, not igniting it, but doing some damage, and some water spills out of it, and this kobold just stares at you in wonder at the dead drake, you rushing at him, and that's his reaction. Is there anything you do on your turn as well, Fleeple? Oh, shoot, man, I guess these water barrels can't be lit on fire. That stinks. <laughs> Okay, we'll see if this kobold is convinced with your act here, so... All right. Uh, And so, how far do you have to be to produce flame and chuck it? 30 feet, so I closed half the distance, and I'm still 30 feet away from him. Great. Okay. Kobold 3, the one that you just threw uh, the fire at, looks at you and goes, in Draconic, Hey, we got an imposter over here, get him! And he's going to grab his short bow and make an attack against you, Fleeple. Mm-hmm. Does a 18 hit? 18 does hit. Okay, here we go. That's six points of piercing damage to you, Fleeple. Oh, honey. <laughs> How many did you have to begin with? 13. 13, okay. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm not looking super great right now. So Fleeple, as this arrow gets lobbed at you with by this short bow, it kind of flies through the air. And not only does it hit you, but it goes through your fleece on your back. Um, and it sort of pins the fleece to your back, and there's some blood that is pooling from that spot. And you just kind of grab it, rip the arrow out. There's a wound there. And this kobold, he's going to join up with his other comrade here, kobold 2, and they're going to be ready for any oncoming attack here. So that's his turn. Lance, is your go. 
All right. So from the riverbank, how far is it to those two kobolds that are starting to team up on what people? I would say about 80 feet. Well, sorry, not from my distance here. I'm going to, from this point, which is right near Mal, from that point, how far? Probably only 60 feet, so. Oh, okay, sweet. Uh, and you were, you were within 30 feet of Mal, so you can make your way over there. Well, I will bonus action hide by rolling into the creek, lazy rivering again. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and roll me a stealth. That's 14. Okay. All right, and I will, for my movement, lazy float on down to here. And then I will Schwarzenegger, <laughs> pop out of the water again, and shoot at the Cobalts that are southwest. I'll shoot at this guy. I'll name him Bart. Okay, so Cobalt 3, otherwise known as Bart, the one that Fleeple chucked the fire at. Cobalt 2 can be Simpson. Go ahead and roll an attack against Bart here. And is it advantage with sneak attack? It is because they had no idea you were there. It's my floating ability. All right. Your floating ability. <laughs> uh, 23 to hit. 23 is a hit. Go ahead and roll with sneak attack. All right. Sweet. Ah! There we go. Just drop my dice. Good boy. There we go. All right. That is... Ah! It's going to be 14. 14. As you saw Bart take a shot at Fleeple and do some significant damage, something wells inside of you. Is it loyalty? Who knows, but as you float down and you take aim at that kobold in particular, that arrow goes right towards him and goes right through his chest, out the back of his body, and the kobold just, without a word, just crumples to the ground, just instantly gone. Uh, so Bart is gone. Cool, and I will run up, or no, I don't have any more movement because I just floated. No, you used all of your movement to get to that location. So you are right next to Mal, who is by Cobalt 1, and Fleeple, you are facing off Bart, who died, and Simpson, who has not had any damage done to them, otherwise known as Cobalt 3 and 2. Uh, Mal, it is your turn. You are in front of Cobalt 1, near the door of the entrance to this mill. His name is Gus. Yeah, his name is Gus. Gus, okay. Well, in the tavern... This worked really well, so I'm going to reach out and grab his snout again and puff a poison spray right in his face. Okay. Which is a con save. And what's your save? 11. That's a 17. Well, okay. <laughs> so on a failure, what happens? Nothing. It negates. So as you grab his snout with one hand, you just kind of grin and poof, this greenish smoke just kind of emerges all around its face. And as it quickly dissipates from his face, he just kind of stares at your hand on his snout and looks up at you, just kind of, and just knocks your hand off of his snout, seeming no effect. Anything else on your turn, Mal? I'm going to, like, give him a smile, like, okay, you're a little bit tougher than I thought you were going to be. And she'll move just a little bit south, but staying, like, right next to him, just to put herself in between Gus and the other two. So just pivoting, basically. So pivoting in between the two kobolds, but still engaged with Gus or kobold one in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Just to keep his attention on me. Okay. And sure enough, it goes to this kobold, and not liking the puff of poison that you just sprayed in his face, he's going to take an attack against you. Natural 20. Good. That's good. <laughs> That's 2d4. That's going to be seven points of piercing damage with his dagger. Ouch. And your mage armor has worn off at this point, right? From No. I cast it when we got to the keep. Oh, yeah, and it lasts like eight hours, right? Okay, that's right. I forgot. Yep. I thought it was like a ten-minute thing, but you are correctly you Nope, are correct. it's eight hours. Okay, so yeah, you still have this weird, hueish glow on you. It's not so active outside of battle, but in battle, it doesn't seem to block this dagger, and it goes right into your side, and oh, you really felt that one. Sure did. 
Okay, that's going to be his turn. Simpson sees Fleeple, and he is also going to take a shot, but this time with his sling. Natural 20. Well. Okay. Fleeple, that is going to be six points of bludgeoning damage to you. Six points. Well, that is fortunate. You have one hit point left, right? I have one hit point left. You're good at math. (laughs) So as he... And he, his aim is true, just right at you, Fleeple. And you were so distracted by trying to, like, nurse this wound that when you look back, it just smacks you right in the snout. It dazes you. Blood is pouring from your nostrils. And ugh, you start to stagger a bit as you fall down to one knee and, like, steady yourself. You look up, and this kobold just starts charging you, dropping his sling, taking out his dagger, and he engages with you. So he, he closes the distance right up to you. He says, my regards to Tiamat, you traitor. Fleeple, it's your go. All right. Uh, what are your feelings on if you're drinking your own potion being bonus action versus full action? Oh, I think it's a bonus action for sure. It doesn't make sense for it to be an action to drink your own potion. If you're feeding it to somebody else, I would say, yes, you. it does take a while to grab their he- head and like feed it to them. But for yourself, it's done. Yeah, I pull out the vial and I say, cheers to the queen. I flip out the cork with my claw, chug it down, and as soon as I finish it, I smash it on the ground, and when I look back up, my claws and teeth are jagged with acid dripping off of them, and I'm going to primal savagery this guy. Okay. Uh, Did you already roll for health? I probably should do that. Oh, snap. Almost max. That is going to be nine hit points to me. There you go. Very good. Oh, yeah. Fleeple's back, baby. Primal Savagery, 15 to hit. Oh, that's a hit. All right. And I just, like, tear into this guy's throat for four acid damage. Okay. Four acid damage to this kobold. Simpson here. And as you are down on the ground, as it seemed you were out, chug this potion real quick. He's just like, what? And as you go, you just jam your fingers into him, like, just bite into him. He goes, oh, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. <laughs> doing four damage to him. Still up, though. Not dead. Still alive, so. Anything else on your turn, Fleeple? I just look him right in the face, and I say, long live the queen, eh? (laughs) Okay. And to you, uh, Lance and Mal, it's just... And you wouldn't understand the the intricacies of this uh, conversation happening. These guys just don't realize what a stone-cold, ruthless killer Fleeple is. This mafia member here... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lance, it's your turn. All right, I'm going to... Could I use 30 feet of movement to snake around and flank this guy with Mal? Absolutely. All right, I will do that. Oh, and for our listeners, yes, we are accepting optional flanking rules. I prefer flanking, so yes, we are going to allow that, even though they are optional in 5e. Just heads up. Okay, but you're flanking this creature. I'm flanking, and as I'm running over, I'm putting away my short bow, and I will take out my short sword and dagger and I will then with flanking bonus I will attack with my short sword okay roll with advantage sir sweet that is a 18 to hit 18 is a hit go ahead and get your sneak attack sir I might not even need that dagger that's fine eight Eight points of damage. You eviscerate this kobold. He's gone. Yeah, just completely gone. And uh, Mal, in front of you, as he had a little bit of a chutzpah, if you will, this short sword that Lance just runs through him, just uh, 
and he just falls to the ground. Lance, you still have that dagger if you wanted to do two-weapon fighting. Well, the thing is, he's dead. How far away is to the south? How far away is Simpson from me? Definitely within 30 feet. Well, my dagger's 20 to 60 feet, so I will throw it, but it will be at disadvantage. Correct. So when you use light weapons, you can use both your action and your bonus action to attack, but the bonus action attack, that's actually standard for everybody. The two-weapon fighting allows you to add your bonus to each attack, when normally it would just you wouldn't add your modifier to the damage on that. And it has to be two light weapons. Yes, it has to be. So two daggers, a short sword, things like that. So yeah, you chuck the dagger over. It will be at disadvantage. Yes, it will. Which isn't too bad. I do get my bonus for attack, just not for damage, right? Correct. All right, so that will be a 14 to hit. That's a hit. Ah, there we go. All right, so no, just a d4. It's just the dice roll. That's a three. Three. How do you want to do this? Hey, look at me. (laughs) I will just, yeah, with that dagger, I'm just going to... Oh, boy. Let me see the the ground here. Yeah, just with that dagger. So I'm going to run over, still doing my hide thing, because I always like to hide, but I'm not really hiding. I'll duck kind of right near the mill and then just sneak around the corner and throw the dagger, and it will just spin out, and wherever Fleeple kind of bit him in the throat, it'll just stick into that. So, Fleeple, as your teeth are still in this kobold's neck, just kind of like, you're, you're fighting back and forth. He's pushing you, he's pushing you. And as he pushes you one point, directly in the same exact wound, a dagger just embeds itself into the neck. And the, this guy just kind of stares at you, Fleeple, in disbelief and goes, yeah, what? And then just falls into your arms, just limp, as you let him drop to the ground, just dead. And that's the end of the battle. As I look down at this deceased kobold, I decide to retrieve the dagger. I pull it out, not delicately at all, and uh, as I do, I once again pull out my holy symbol of Bahamut and give that prayer. And I place the platinum uh, holy symbol to my forehead and start going back towards Lance to return his dagger to him. Alright. So you're out of combat here. Fleeple, you head back to Lance. Lance, you see Fleeple coming up with your dagger. We'll take it and go. Thank you kindly. And I'll just look over at Mal, who's been questioning my effectiveness this whole time. And I'll just say, I'm effective when needed. Well, as he says that, I'm behind uh, Lance looking at Mal. Just once again, those two thumbs up, hearty nodding. She's just glaring at him, rage beyond words, and so frustrated that not only was he right, but he got my kill. (laughs) Very upset about that. I will say, not a great night for Mal. Not a great night for Mal. I mean, Mal did drive away a dragon, but other than that, it's not a great night. But did she really... So stop when you're standing around. We gotta grab some buckets or that barrel of water. We gotta make sure that this place isn't gonna burn to the ground if we wanna get paid. She'll storm off and look for something to help douse the flames, wherever they may be. I'll clean off my dagger just on my sleeve of the blood that's on it and stick it back in its sheath. Okay, so Mal's trying to get some water, put out some fire. Lance and Fleeple, were you assisting with this? Oh, yeah. I will not. Not that I not that I'm like purposely trying to like piss off Mal, but I'm gonna keep an eye out. To see if others are coming, or if this was just the only people who were around. I'm just going to be kind of a lookout. While I'm doing that, I will also search the bodies. (laughs) So maybe not too much of a lookout in the beginning. (laughs) 
Uh, as I'm assisting Mal with uh, trying to douse the flames, I turn to her and say kind of furtively, I had my doubts about that man, but he's turned out to be quite a capable uh, combatant. Yeah, if we can trust him not to go run and hide. Oh, all he needs is some love. And she'll just affectionately pet his head just like a... Okay. All right. Fleeple and Mal, go ahead and roll me an insight check. It's going to be a 15 for me. Oh, a natty 20 for me. Ooh, honey. For a total? Oh, for just 20. Mal and Fleeple, as you look around, do your investigation around the mill. You find, obviously, the dead bodies that you have just disposed of, but in investigating these fires, you come to the conclusion that these fires aren't actually doing a lot of damage to the structure itself. Um, It appears that the fires were strategically placed to send off more smoke than they were heat or flame. This is apparent from seeing that some fires are actually away from the mill in like some brush and a small sapling is on fire as well. Mal will wave Fleeple over. Look at these. They, they're nowhere near the mill and the, the tinder that they're using is so green. It, It looks like it's just a bunch of smoke. I don't. I don't think these were meant to burn anything. I think they might have been signals of some kind. And I scrape my scaly chin and I say, If you recall, when we left the tavern, there were kobolds lighting fires nearby and suddenly the dragon comes swooping out of the sky and strikes it with its lightning breath. I think perhaps these kobolds are telling the dragon where to strike. So are you saying that the mill is next? I'm saying I think it's probably a good thing if we put these fires out as quickly as possible if we don't want to see that dragon again. Good idea. Mal will do it faster. <laughs> She'll get bigger things and be more urgent about trying to put out fires. Okay, so we'll go ahead and leave you to putting out some of these fires. Lance, you were keeping watch but also rummaging <laughs> through their pockets? Yes, I was like keeping an eye out, but at the same time. I'm looking through their stuff first, and then I'll keep an eye out. Okay, sounds good. So go ahead and roll me a an investigation check. A natural 20. Ooh, for a total of what? Total of, for investigation, 27. Well, that's just ludicrous. All right. So as you are rummaging through these kobolds' bodies and through this drake, kobolds don't have a lot in respective material possession, but these ones did surprisingly have a surprising amount. You'll recall that a lot of kobolds were picking jewelry off of previous tenants in the tavern of the Winged Dragon, and these kobolds definitely seem to reflect that. There is, from your successful investigation roll, you find a variety of 20 gold pieces, two platinum, five silver, and the last thing you find, which is very surprising to be on a cobalt, which had to have been, this was recently removed from somebody not of a draconic descent, a unusual piece of parchment. Uh, do you take the time to kind of investigate the parchment or? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read the parchment. I'd probably like unscroll it. Am I able to, re- do I see like I can read this later? Or is it like, I don't know this language? Uh, what languages do you know? I know common, elvish, orcish. Okay. Uh, are you proficient in arcana? Yes. Okay. Because you're proficient in arcana, as you take a quick glance th- uh, through it, these symbols are runes and they are magical runes. And although you can't interpret it in this quick moment, you're like, oh, okay. Some some sort of magic, possibly. Or maybe an encoded mag- message using magic? something to investigate a little bit further. All right, and then I will, as soon as I kind of deduce it's magical, I'll tuck it away 
and start keeping an eye out. Okay. Go ahead and roll me a perception check then. A natural 20. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's two. That's crazy. Don't worry. I'll probably be rolling ones the rest of the freaking night. That was crazy. Two different dice. Uh, total will be 23. So you go through that investigation and rifling through the pockets very quick, and you feel this sense of urgency. You're out in the open, you're exposed, and as a result, you know that you have to hurry as fast as you can. Once you have that finished and tied up, you slink to the shadows near the door of the mill, and you have a, your eyes are beaded everywhere in the sky around. You're listening. A couple things you notice. A lack of noise in the sky... A lack of noise, like all of the fighting that seems to be distant towards the keep area. You don't see anybody patrolling this area of the stream because you rolled so freaking high. From inside the mill, you hear, uh, (coughs) Fleeple, Mal, how are you putting out these fires? Barrels of water, and I assume because it's a mill, there are probably buckets around. And since we're right next to the stream, I was imagining using that and kind of fire brigading water onto them. Especially if they're signal fires, hopefully they're massive. We're not like fighting a forest fire. Gotcha. And simple enough, it's pretty easy to put out these fires. And especially for you, Fleeple, being a druid, it's not the hardest thing in the world. And Mal, you look over to Fleeple as he's just raising his hand and he is uh, seemingly extinguishing them just at will. (laughs) Uh, Little pockets of them at will using his druid craft. Easy enough, though, within five minutes, uh, five to ten minutes, you're able to put out all of the fires, or it's clear that some of them are going to be burned out. And Lance, at this point, you've been on guard duty for about five minutes when you hear that noise inside the mill. Okay, when I hear that, I'll just, like, look around for Fleeple and uh, and Mal, and do I see do I see them, probably, most likely? Yeah, I mean, you've seen them running around putting out these fires while you're keeping watch. Sweet. Um, I'm just going to, like, I will take out an arrow, aim it at Mal, and then turn it over a little bit to not actually hit her, but then just to kind of whisk past her to get her attention. Uh, so Mal, you're you're just putting out one of the fires when all of a sudden, as you start to turn around, an arrow just right into the ground next to you, uh, right by your feet. And it startles you, and you look up, and you see Lance, who has an arrow and is uh, motioning towards you. As soon as that arrow hits, she'll, she pulls out her spear, kind of falls into a defensive stance. And seeing that, she's going to charge up to him very menacingly, very threateningly with her spear pointed directly at him. Do you have just, any idea sh- what sh- I'm going through tonight? Sh- Are you shooting freaking arrows at me? What is going on with you, dude? Oh, you're so right. We should go over here and settle this dispute between us. We're just going to walk what? over here away from the mill now. Oh, here we go. And I'll just start walking away from the mill like a good, like, 20 feet. Like, just trying to, like, get her to come. And then as soon as we're 20 feet away. There are one, possibly two people in the mill right now hiding. We were standing right next to it. And if I said that to you right there, they would know we know. But now they don't know. So we have the element of... A surprise. I was trying to be sneaky and careful. See, where's Fleeple this whole time? I've I've just about got the fires under control, and I'm thinking to myself, probably better check inside the mill and just make sure everything's he going. He just walks right. in. <laughs> 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 so 
Fleeple, you go to the doors and you, you start to open. If I see Fleeple walking toward the mill, I will try and get his attention, too. By murdering him. Right, I'll shoot another arrow. So, Fleeple, you go into the mill. So, yeah, I, I begin approaching to the door, and I think back to what Lance said about being careful and stealthy. And I'm like, ah, yes. And I kind of get down on all fours, and I'm going to stealth my way up there and try and listen at the door. Okay, sounds good. So go and roll me a stealth check. All right. I'm not horrible. That's a 15. 15. As you make your way up to the door and you put your ear to it, go ahead and roll me a perception check. It's a critical fail. You hear the loud... The rhythmic humming of the mill in the middle of working. So it appears that the mill was not turned off before the attack, and it's just overwhelming you, and it's very difficult to hear anything other than that. Hmm, well that's terribly irresponsible, whoever left this place. I'm gonna try and go, like, covert ops, open the door as sneakily as I can, and do, like, back up against the wall. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so you go to try the handle. It's not locked. As you open it, I'm going to need you to roll me another stealth check here. Did Lance and Mal see this happening? Uh, or was this happening at the same time they were moving away? Probably was happening around the same time that you were moving away, but I'll allow you both a perception check as Fleeple opens the door. But Fleeple, what did you roll? 22. 22. I got eight from perception. Not very perceptive tonight, this group. I had a natural 20 earlier. You had two natural 20s right in a row. You wasted them. You wasted it. I should have just guarded the door. <laughs> yeah, what were you even thinking? I was thinking I need some muscle, and Fleeple looks like he's being more effective with the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lance, what'd you get? I got eight. Yeah, I got a nine. <laughs> I'm so frustrated that he shot an arrow at me. We see our egos, <laughs> but we don't see <laughs> him. <laughs> Aptly put, both of you are unable to see Fleeple as he just without a noise, opens the door into the mill. And you see, as you open the mill door, you are able to peer into it. There's no light, but you do see the massive wheel grinding in the center. And it's just this massive stone wheel just going round and round and round. Uh, You've opened the door, feeling fairly stealthy. Hmm. I'm going to see if I can find the means by which this stone can be halted. Okay. So you're entering the entering the mill then? Yeah, still doing my uh, Mission Impossible sneaky sneak. Okay. I will say, because you rolled so high on that door, I'll let you roll stealth with advantage this time around. That's a natural 20, bringing us to a 23. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> as you are, you just slide in there. And Mal and Lance, you ask, where's Fleeple? Nowhere in sight. Absolutely nowhere in sight. But you do see the door to the mill open. Oh, great. Now we gotta go rescue him. The door's open. Wait, did they escape or did... I'm sure Fleeple went inside. He's not outside. Let's go. So, Fleeple, go ahead and roll me a perception check inside this mill here. And because you're looking around everywhere trying to find the means to turn this off, I'll let you roll with advantage. Good, because my first roll was a critical fail. Uh, (laughs) My second is a 22. I'm doing like a How the Grinch Stole Christmas sort of slither across the ground. Yeah, with like all, all of your toes and your fingers just just moving your entire body. Well, 
you do see that this mill has two levels. There's a loft area, and then there's this ground area here. This ground area has a lot of machinery to where the mill is moving, and it seems to be rotating from the... The stream is moving the stone around and crushing. Inside the trough, there is some thoroughly ground grain and wheat, and, and it's just continually being ground and ground and ground, and it's definitely not being looked after at all, because nobody, you don't see anybody around the wheel whatsoever. You do see the mechanism that could turn it off, it could make it go faster, go slower, it's just this handle, but what really draws your attention, because you rolled so high, is in the rafters, there are bags and sacks of flour, sacks of wheat. But behind one of the windows, you also see a humanoid shape move across it, and it has a spear. And as you are looking around, you notice that there are one, two. On the west wall, there's also two. And on the east wall, there's also two. And they all seem to be looking, peering down, and not aware of your presence. And that's where we'll end tonight's episode of iCast Fireball. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode of iCast Fireball. It means the world to us that you would listen to our crazy adventure that we've got started out, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as we enjoy playing. If you're feeling generous, we would really appreciate a five-star review on your choice of podcast listening, whether that's iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify. As I'm sure you're aware, this helps get the word out about our podcast to other adventurers that would also enjoy listening by putting us in people's recommended feed. We also happen to have an email account for this podcast. And if you want to reach out, you can get in touch with us at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. That's all lowercase with the year 2020 in the address there. That's all we have for tonight. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Thomas, your DM, and we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Good night, everybody.